Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Ryan Grani. Thanks for being on the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I appreciate it. Ryan is a full-time mobile home park owner-operator that focuses on value-add and turnaround communities in the Midwest and Southeast. His current portfolio has grown to seven parks, totaling 300 lots. Ryan also serves as the Director of Operations for Buckeye Communities, where he oversees operations of over 400 lots spread across five parks in Ohio and Michigan. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Congratulations first just on your growth and success in the mobile home park business. I want to hear a little about your story from corporate America to this commercial real estate space and business and mobile home parks. And let's dive into you know mobile home parks specifically and just how you've grown that, that business and brand. Yeah, well, I appreciate first, you know, having me on the show and um, longtime listener. I'm happy to add value where I can. It's been a long road. It's not been, you know, all, hey, I'm here. I'm a full-time mobile home park investor. It's been, as you probably know, that path is not as clear cut and not as clear as what uh, everybody portrays in books and podcasts and, and conferences and all this other stuff, right? Hey, you know, go buy a house and house hack it and live free, right? Everybody loves bigger pockets, but it's good, but it's, you know, it's sometimes maybe too much. Long story short, went to school, got a finance degree, played baseball in college, you know, wasn't really a good student, was more focused on athletics and, you know, maybe a little bit of partying here and there, kind of like everybody, right? Got out of college, went to a relatively good school, got a finance job right out of school. And I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad in college. And I had that kind of like in the back of my brain, like, what am I going to do? Is this forever? You know, the goal was basically to, to work, earn a high salary with my finance job, and then put that money in like a side business or buy some real estate, buy a duplex, you know, start small and kind of scale up. That didn't start happening, right? Because, you know, next to nothing, you make, you know, I think I made 38 grand my first job or something like that right out of college. And then obviously we had bonuses and it was stepped up pretty quickly. But I actually, after four years of, you know, working the same job, not being promoted, kind of having new bosses and working for a Fortune 500 company, I realized this is not going to work for me. So I actually got asked to leave my first job. Um, most people, you know, they quit their job. I got asked to leave because they had found out that I was moving cities and it just was not good timing at all. It was not for me. I'm not a get there at eight o'clock, stay till five type of person. While I don't mind working, I was not like we had to be there at a certain time and I'm just, just not my personality. Typically, I'm always five minutes late. Um, I'm rarely early. It's just a flaw that I have. I was in Cincinnati, moved to Cleveland, got another job. Got asked to leave that one because it was like a small company. We had lost some customers and it was more of like a layoff situation. But And then I just happened to know a couple guys that were buying parks together. We had looked at buying a couple parks together, really, really never connected. And then that's where I joined Buckeye Communities kind of as their operations director. Got me into the industry and allowed me to oversee operations on the large scale on how to run multiple parks, different ways, and how to scale something. And also how to be a part of a team that was didn't really have a corporate culture, right? It wasn't, you know, get here at eight, leave at five. You can't have any facial hair. Uh, you got to wear a suit every day. That right, really dry culture. It was more hands-on. And then at the same time, I was buying my own parks. So that was three years ago. I've been full-time for about three years now. 
as the operations director, it was a part-time gig. It wasn't full-time. It's still not full-time. So it wasn't full-time pay. So, you know, when you're buying real estate, it might cash flow, but when you're buying turnaround real estate, it does not cash flow. So I was like walking dogs. I was doing everything. I was like selling stuff from my closet. I mean, I was selling stuff that maybe I had too much excess of. I mean, I was living very frugally. Luckily, I was living at home for the first part of my career. And then I also haven't had kids. So it's allowed me to do a little bit more and live a little bit more frugally than some others, right? So my financial freedom number is a little bit lower than others. That's basically, you know, my story in a nutshell. I had to do some soul searching along the way. I just turned 30 this year and was was kind of just my, I remember just days where I would go into the, the office and I'd be like, just literally like drained. I felt soulless. I mean, it, every expression and every cliche out there that was happening to me. So that allowed me to kind of, you know, I guess, push to get out quicker. And that's kind of how I stumbled upon mobile home parks. Getting asked to leave or fired from a position or a couple can seem like a bad day to most people. But a lot of times that's when it really pushes us to go search for something else, right? And motivates us where we have to. Uh, we have to go find something else. You became the director of operations at Buckeye Communities and that opened your eyes to mobile home parks. So how I stumbled upon mobile home parks. So back in 20. 14, 23, 15, when I got out of college, I had already known I was going to buy business. I looked at laundromats, car washes, duplexes, single families, small apartments, everything under the sun, right? And then my dad was like, hey, you know, you got a little bit of cash. You know, my dad's a contractor. He's like, I'll help you flip a mobile home. Let's, let's go check some out. Let's go maybe like a live-in flip or something in a nicer retirement community. Wasn't age restricted. I looked at doing that. It was about 20 grand. Didn't end up doing it for whatever reason. Looked at a couple others, didn't do it. And then we just started chatting, you know, hey, kind of who owns these things? That's kind of how my brain kind of works sometimes is like, is just being in that mindset, right? Looking for something. And I, and I kind of found it, right? My eyes were peeled back. I started doing all kinds of research, went to a boot camp, read everything under the sun, met everybody. Still to this day, I still try to do the same. And that kind of what peeled back the layer for me. So I've never owned any other asset class, any other anything. I've only bought, you know, mobile home parks. And with mobile home parks comes other real estate. Like I've owned single families, apartments, garages, storage units, vacant land. With mobile home parks, it's a weird asset class. But that's kind of what allowed me to open my eyes. And then the financial numbers of it, the supply and demand of the overall um, economics of parks, and just the less management intensive with, you know, when your parks are all tenant owned homes really spoke to me. It just jived with my personality. So that what started. And then I joined Buckeye and that is what opened my eyes on how to really run a park. Because when you just buy one asset, it's, you can get away with being lazy. You can get away with doing certain things. But when you have five, six, 10 parks and you got employees and you got different tenants and you're moving in homes, you're doing this, doing that, and you are the property management company as well, there's a lot of moving parts. So, I mean, it's, it's all hands on deck and, and, you know, Obviously, we, we do control our time and, and some of our money. But with that, you know, you still have to, to work to, to get your investment right. So speak about getting your first mobile home park. So it took me years and years. I had a couple under contract from 25 to the time I was 28. I looked at parks. I called parks. I mailed parks. If you tell me a park in the Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky area, I know it. And I know the owner because I built my own database. I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I was building my own database, learning everything I could. I just by chance happened to to connect with somebody. They posted on like a Facebook group, I think, hey, we're assigning this park, 75 units down in Fayetteville. 
and I ended up just kind of partnering with some people that I'd known a little bit. We all had some money. We all had a little bit of experience. I actually ended up partnering with some people that has done apartment syndications, and we still own that to this day. It was a, a value add and a huge turnaround. It had contaminated well water, which I don't recommend buying on your first property. We ended up connecting to city water, but it had huge infill and we got seller financing. So it was a good deal and it's worth a lot more than what we paid for it today. But you know, it's been a good amount of capital sunk and a good amount of effort as well. So that's my first purchase kind of happened by chance was six months of due diligence, six months of contract negotiations, because it just felt like an onion, right? We just kept peeling back the layers and there was always something. And eventually we got comfortable enough and we realized like, hey, we're getting good seller financing terms. Let's push forward on this property. You know, if it doesn't work, it's non-recourse. You know, I guess we're just going to lose our down payment, which is, which for me was at the time, everything I had. I cashed in my 401k, took the hit and then put that, you know, 30 grand or whatever it was into the deal. And I remember I probably had five grand. And as a real estate investor, you live off your cash flow potentially, but you also live off of refinances and liquidity events because you're not always, you don't necessarily have a stable W-2 when you're doing turnarounds. What kind of came out of desperation allowed me a quicker path because I had to, to, to get there, right? I, 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 I couldn't just sit around because I didn't have a job anymore. And I literally cashed in my life savings. You know, it's worth more today, but I still, that park, I always have a little bit more, I want to be a little bit more hands-on. I'm a little bit more sensitive, right? When money's not, when somebody hasn't paid because it was my first deal and my, it was my life savings at the time. So that's probably why it's a little bit more intimate to me, but. The risk that you took, you know, cashing in your, your 401k, you're willing to, to pay the, those, what the penalty, right? You know, as well to make this happen. So you could have that crash and even, even take your, your personal liquidity down that far uh, just to get into the business and make that deal happen. Uh, it sounds like you found some good terms even, and you did uh, great due diligence or, or, you know, over a long period of time. You know, what about the transition then from, okay, you, you did the hard work to get this first deal done. How long till the second one and how did your systems improve and how, you know, how did the process improve going to the second or third? It's a snowball thing, just like everybody always says, right? Once you do the first one, it kind of just is downhill from there. My second one, we closed. I actually had another park under contract at the same time. We closed that, closed that December of 2018 and closed the next one, April 1st, 2019. And then the next one, August 1st, 2019. And then I sold two of those. I sold my partnership rights out of those two. And then I bought since then, uh, we bought four in the last year. We've had many more under contract and we always try to buy with what we have under contract, but sometimes, you know, things pop up today, right now, December of 2020, we have three parks under contract and we're hopefully closing all of those. And that'll, that'll give me about four or 500 spaces, depending on what we close by the end of Q1 2021. So the transition and when you get full time, you have 40 more hours that people that are working jobs don't have, right? So you don't realize the window of opportunity that you have when you open up more time when you're full time. And if full time means you take a low paying job and you get a little bit more hours to then go buy more deals or you cash in your life savings. I'm not saying do that, but I'm saying you have to understand your risk and understand your reward. If you got a family and you got bills to pay, look, you got to work a job. I get it, but maybe you don't need this and you can save 10% more. So the transition for me was more of a forced hand 
than me just saying, hey, all right, well, I'm quitting and I'm buying parks. It was more like, hey, here's the door. While I'm also buying parks because I was not shy. I told people, you know, I'm looking to buy real estate. I'm looking to do this, do that, which some people in the corporate world are like, hey, that's awesome because they understand. And then some people are like, oh, no, you don't do that. You need to be here. We need your attention and that's not going to work. So my transition was, was hard and easy at the same time. Because I'd already known in my head years that this is what I wanted to do. So I was already there. Every day is still a battle for me. I mean, I still, you know, don't, there's some days I don't want to work or don't want to do anything. And, and maybe I don't have to, but I still have to push and I still want to push and grow and do all that stuff. So I still know I'm not where I want to be. What's been the hardest part for you for growing a, is just the mobile home park business and brand for yourself? Yeah, the hardest part is finding the right people to partner with, finding the correct deals, because there's a lot of deals out there right now at crazy prices, some of them. And finding the money for me has never really been necessarily an issue. I mean, I always talked about it and been connected with people and, and try to talk that avenue as well. But the hardest part is finding the right partners to do deals with and somebody I want to grow with. How, how have you done that? How have you changed that for yourself? So I had a partnership group that we were building parks with and we just, we, we actually had a separation. I sold my, they bought me out. I sold my partnership, right? So one thing I focused on a little bit more is what can you bring to the table? What are our personalities? Because for me, I know the identifiers that I don't want in somebody. I don't want somebody texting me every day saying, Hey, I saw an email come in. You're running operations. Why didn't you answer it? You know, Hey, where's this? Where's that? Like, I don't need another boss. We are partners in this business. While it's okay to say, hey, when are you going to do this every now and then? Or it's more of a, hey, I trust you. I trust you to do it. And then, you know, just let me know when it's done. Like, you're going to see it. So I didn't need a big brother staring over my shoulder. And that's what I had in my first partnership. And it just, it's not my personality. And it didn't work. The people I've partnered with now kind of trust, hey, you know what you're doing. We're here to help. We want to help. But you're kind of running the day-to-day show. And then we're here if you need us. What's been the effects of the pandemic, you know, just over the last year almost now on mobile home parks and maybe your portfolio? Deals have actually sped up. There's more cash flowing in the asset class because the tenants are sticky. They're typically lower income, meaning they might be on subsidized from the government, right? Uh, Social security, disability, something like that. They work at Walmart. Their jobs were essential, right? They will work at fast food places. They were essential workers. So really overall, yeah, we've had some tenants that couldn't pay because they lost their jobs or whatever, but the unemployment helped. The first couple months, we weren't panicking, but we were like, hey, what's going to happen? April collections rolled in. We were like, Okay. It wasn't really that bad. May rolled in. Wasn't really that bad. You know, we've been on the phone more. We've been more out in front talking with residents probably than, than what we would have been. I personally will take phone calls and like process payments over the phone if I need to. So we've been creative, right? We've been a little bit more open to ways to pay and taking payment plans and stuff like that. But look, we're in affordable housing. If people need to replace their tires, they may not pay it because they literally live paycheck to paycheck. And we provide clean, safe, affordable housing that's non-subsidized. And overall, really haven't seen a, a huge dividend in our business. We've actually bought more deals probably than we did in years past because there's a lot of older owners that are like, hey, this COVID thing, you know, it scares the hell out of me. So I'm 75 and I'm probably higher risk of catching it. And I don't want to be interacting with tenants who are coughing and doing this and doing that. Hey, I'm ready to sell. I cash it in. I've seen that happen a lot. Sped that window up of the people that are 65 to 85 that own these parks. And we all thought we had this 10-year window. It's just basically created a vacuum. 
and with low interest rates and, and people cash flowing in, I mean, you, I feel like I see every day, Hey, Blackstone bought this portfolio. So-and-so bought this, so-and-so bought that. And it's, uh, I mean, you got the guys over at bigger pockets, uh, Buckeye, we actually, we sold them their first park up in Fostoria and everybody wants a mobile home park nowadays. It's probably the hottest asset class outside of actually catching COVID right now in 2020, but business has not slowed down. Can you also speak to uh, like self-managing these parks uh, versus hiring that out, getting your first park, getting growing to three or four parks and continuing growth? Uh, you know, is that something you recommend initially and is it something you see doing long term? So this space does not at this point in time does not have what I expect good third party property managers. So you have to keep it all in house or partner with operators that know how to run parks. Now we have on-site managers, right, that either live there or live close by. So, you know, it's kind of self-managing, but I have kind of a spring, right, because I have on-site managers, on-site maintenance. So we hire all that out. We manage them. So as far as like recommending that to somebody, yes. For parks specifically, unless you buy like a five-star or retirement type community and lot rents are seven, $800, I would recommend you doing the self-managing and maybe you hire an on-site manager because that's going to help out a lot. You're going to understand the problems that you're going to have. And then as far as scaling goes, right, you know, you hire employees to, to manage the managers and you basically create your own in-house property management company. And the good thing about mobile home parks, if you don't own a lot of the homes, it's not super management intensive. The most management time is the sixth through the 10th. That's when rents do, right? Cause we're knocking on doors, posting notices, and when you're buying a turnaround, it's management intensive anyways. And management intensive is not me getting there and swinging a hammer. We pay people to do that. So we're still scaling effectively by employing others and creating jobs and allowing us to buy multiple opportunities because we're employing people at those locations with boots on the ground. And then we're overseeing that. So to scale that, you know, to 1,000, 1,200, 15 units, I can't speak to that. I can only speak to what I've done and kind of what others have done. Sure. But, I, but I would recommend uh, keeping it in-house because at this point in time, the third-party management is not super effective, in my opinion, for the parks that we're buying. What do you predict or expect over the next 6 to 12 months and in, in your plan for your business? Over the next 6 to 12 months, I plan on doubling in size just based on the deal flow that I've been seeing and the cash that's kind of chasing it right now. I plan on hopefully hiring an employee to kind of replace myself because running operations, while it's fun and exciting, I can only do so much, right? My time is, is limited. So I plan on hopefully hiring somebody by mid 2020 or hiring like an assistant. While I have partners, you know, they have other things, they have other jobs. Hiring somebody that I can kind of say, hey, you know, go do this, go do that. That's kind of what I need. And as far as overall, like parks and just the economy, I really don't have an answer for the economy. I, I don't think anybody sure. knows. I was trying to get as much hands on cash early COVID as I can, and I still am trying to remain liquid, which it seems that it's hard to do just because deals are kind of flowing in. And mobile home parks, there's going to be a buying spree. People are paying six, seven caps when, you know, two years ago, people were like, hey, I buy mobile home parks. They're 10 caps. They're great. They're passive. And, and which, you know, maybe they were a little bit back then and there still are, but we're in the world of the same large apartments. We're six caps where you can get 3% debt and there's big guys chasing it, you know, 50 units and more. But really what that leaves is, is there's still a lot of opportunity left. There's still a lot of deals. There's still a lot of places to find your niche within the mobile home park space. Even if you want to buy one, buy two, plenty of good guys running funds. If you're looking to be passive, plenty of guys doing syndications where you can, Hey, I got some cash. I want to be, you know, an LP on this deal. There's plenty of that. 
it's good and bad for the space. There's a lot of professional operators, a lot of professional financing people coming into the space. And we're becoming a little bit more, not the ugly guy or the redheaded stepchild. We're not that anymore. I mean, we still are somewhat, but we're becoming a little bit more mainstream and which is good and bad. More parks are going to close. None are going to be developed. More parks are going to transact and you're going to see probably more deal flow in the park space than any other asset. And I would bet $100 in a year from now, they're lower default rates than any other asset class aside from self-storage. Do you have any or a couple of daily habits that you're disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? Yeah, I check who's paid every day. That allows me to gauge where my business is. But aside from that, jokingly, I really just try to think about where am I going? What am I doing today? What what can I do to be most effective? To say that I wake up at 5 a.m. and work out and do all that stuff that everybody talks about. No, that's not me. I slept till probably eight o'clock this morning, but I went to bed at midnight, right? So I get seven, eight hours of sleep. I try to get some form of exercise, whether it's just walking. Like my goal now is to do like somewhere between 7,000 and 10,000 steps. That's my goal. Doesn't sound like a lot, but I am not a walker. So it is a lot. And just some other things are looking at a deal a day, right? Talking to somebody, reading a book, whether it's through audio or listening to a podcast, something daily to where I'm not diminishing my skills. I'm trying to get better. Not every day is going to be a step forward, but it's better to remain where you are or, you know, maybe take a lateral step than, than to take 10 steps back by not reading, not doing some form of exercise and, you know, uh, not looking at a deal. That's kind of what I try to do daily to try to better myself and kind of better my business. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Facebook. Facebook, like there's a bunch of groups, right? Or you can join a bunch of investor groups. I'm sure there's, I know there's some for apartments and self-storage, but there's a bunch of like mobile home park groups. I think one of your guests, Ryan Neris, actually, he hosts a group. It's like MHP Mastermind or something. It's a good group. I just try to interact on there and then I'm doing podcasts like this, right? So people reach out to me and I'm also reaching out to people. Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while, catching up, stuff like that. So Typically, I, I do calls in the afternoon, one or two calls, and I, I give a lot of free time, right? I don't do coaching or anything. I try to give as much as possible. So therefore, one day, maybe it'll come back in return. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Looking at a deal a day or trying to get involved as quickly as possible. Because if you're not looking at deals, you're not going to be able to buy a deal because you don't know what is happening in the market. And also just talking with people and, and not being afraid to take somebody out for during normal times, a cup of coffee or pay for lunch because the $20 that it, or $40 it costs for lunch or $5 it costs for coffee. If it's an experienced investor or somebody you kind of want to be like, it's well worth it. And that's contributed a lot. And also just kind of being stubborn and knowing what I want to do. Right. Because there was a lot of people that said, Hey, you haven't bought a mobile home park. Have you thinking about something else? Just staying focused on one sole asset class has been beneficial to me because I will chase a lot of stuff. Like right now, like last year, I found myself like I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. I was like looking at buying like a brewery or looking at buying like some other business. And I'm still looking at that stuff. But like mobile home parks is my sole focus. And, and I would say focusing on one thing at a time has been helpful for me. How do you like to give back? I like to, to help others. I like to help people that are looking to get into space. I like talking about it. And I like telling people, hey, this is not a... 10 cap business where you can just buy a park, raise the rent and sit back in your, in your lazy boy and collect the rent every month. It's not a passive business. Like most people pitch while it's more passive than maybe apartments. I try to be as honest as possible and transparent about operations, about systems, about, you know, how to do this, how to do that. What do I think about a deal? Right. People ask me, 
I just try to give the the positive and negatives and I try to provide as much value without like really asking anything in return. From time to time, I used to be involved with a no-kill animal shelter. So I like to, you know, help with kind of homeless dogs and cats. Awesome. Well, Ryan, I'm grateful to have met you and had you on the show. Uh, it's just always interesting to hear people's path to success in real estate, especially when they're coming from a corporate world or you know ways that most people would see that as success and having that W-2 position, but then having to leave that and move to where you're at now and, and just the success you've had. And it's going to be interesting to see where you go over the next few years also. Uh, but grateful for just sharing that path with us today and, and just ways you've grown your mobile home park business and how others can do it also. Uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. I'm on every social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can also email me. I'm sure they'll put my email in the show notes. It's Ryan dot and my last name, Grony55 at gmail.com. That's my personal email. You can also go to the mobilehomeparkinvestor.com. And then anytime, you know, I'm at different meetups. I'm down here in Charleston. So if anybody's ever in Charleston, South Carolina, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to get a cup of coffee or stand six feet apart or whatever crazy and wild times lay ahead. Awesome. That's a wrap, Ryan. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.